the title of our lesson is, How Is It You Do Not Understand? I'll make a couple comments before we get right to that. So uh, Mark the 8th chapter, verses 13 through 30. It's kind of a concluding kind of part of that context, and I'll explain that a little bit further in just a moment. I want to mention also that as we take a look at this, and and I'll run this by you a couple of times, that oftentimes within the Scriptures, there will be groupings of teachings or of lessons. And you can take a look at each individual sort of uh, in encounter that Jesus has with individuals and there's a particular lesson to it but as you put those together there's also a lesson a point to be made from that from that grouping and that's kind of what we're going to take a look at this morning because in this particular context it's going to run all the way from Mark the 7th chapter through Mark the 8th chapter we just kind of read 13 through 30 where this kind of Culminates. This all kind of comes together. But in this particular context uh, of those two chapters, Jesus is going to encounter some with bad hearts. <laughs> He's going to encounter someone that obviously has a good heart. And then he's going to encounter an individual that can't hear. And because he can't hear, He can't speak plainly. And then Jesus is going to feed 4,000. And then there's going to be this discussion with his disciples about leaven. And then he's going to ask them, how come you don't understand what I'm saying? And then he's going to heal a blind man in stages. And then he's going to ask, do you know who I am? And then he's going to tell them, don't tell anybody. Does that seem a little bit odd, the way that concludes? Well, hopefully by the time we run through this, you'll come to understand why it is that Jesus, in verse 30 that we read this morning, Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Because we would probably be thinking, Well, you ought to be telling everybody. (laughs) Jesus said, don't tell anybody. I want to give you an illustration right quick as we get into into this uh, this morning. You could kind of view this entire section and compare it. For instance, like when you go to have a, a physical exam. You know, back when you were younger and some of the young people may have not gone on in for a complete physical all that often, maybe for, for sports or maybe sometimes for military or people going into the police academy and so forth, they probably do that kind of thing. But as you get older, you, you have physical exams a little more often, like every year. <laughs> and the, the doctor will check things like your heart and check like your vision. You know, you said they'd say, you know, read the second line on that chart and now you go, what chart? And, and so it's like, look at this, and then we're going to check your hearing. And then they give you the results, and they sort of review them with you, and then they point out whether or not you might have problems with your heart, or you might have problems with your vision, or you might have problems with your hearing. And so as we consider this this morning, that's kind of what Jesus is doing. And that's what you're going to see. 
There's some heart problems. There's some hearing problems. And there's some vision problems. So take a look, if you would, first of all. In Mark chapter 7. Let me get the right book here. In Mark chapter 7. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Mark 7. The Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered around him when they had come from Jerusalem and had seen that some of his disciples were eating the bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washings of cups and pitchers and copper pots. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands? And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrine the, concept, uh, the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God you hold to the tradition of men. So let me say this. They ask a question. Why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? And the great physician responds and says, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. <laughs> did that say anything about washing their hands? <laughs> and that must have had been a little bit of shock to them when he, he responded like that. But I think Jesus did that because, yeah, I want to get your attention. <laughs> and he did. Notice verse 14 and 15. After Jesus responds to them, verse 14, after he had called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, so now he's addressing the entire crowd. Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the man are what? defile him so Jesus is going to get the crowd's attention now he says listen to this they're worried about what goes into the man I'm telling you what's really a concern is what comes out verse 17 through 21 when he had left the crowd and entered the house his disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from the outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And as he was saying... That which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. But from within, out of the heart of men, 
proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, and so on. Jesus is saying, they're worried about you washing your hands. And I'm telling you what you really ought to be worried about is what comes out of a person's mouth because that reveals what's, what's in their heart. And what we need to understand as we read this context too and it will become a little bit more clear in just a moment when he talks to them about leaven. You've got these religious leaders and the crowds are listening to these people. And you, my disciples, you've been listening to these people. And it has an impact on you. It influences you. It influences your life. It influences your thinking. And he's saying there's a problem here. And it's not that you haven't washed your hands. (laughs) There's a heart problem that's going on here. And don't you understand, that's the point that I'm trying to get across. And so they're asking him, what, what, what did you mean by that when you responded in such a way? So Jesus is trying to help them to understand and to help them to see. As you look at this, I want you to think about this. What you're witnessing here is a heart attack. It's Jesus attacking their hearts because their hearts aren't right. But I want you to think about this too. A lot of times whenever we say heart attack, do you ever kind of have this visual? Maybe you've seen it. There's some here that probably have. A person grabs their chest and they fall over or they collapse. And we say, they had a heart attack. Now we have plenty of medical people here. (laughs) And so you can correct me if I got this wrong. Not right at this moment, maybe afterwards. (laughs) If you see somebody grab their chest and they fall over, I think what would be a more uh, correct explanation of what just happened is cardiac arrest. See, actually, heart attacks happen over a period of time. That's why you go to the doctor. That's why you have those exams. And that's why they check your arteries and all those kinds of things. And that's why we talk about arteries becoming clogged and all that kind of thing. That's really an attack on the heart. And if it's not corrected, then what happens is cardiac arrest. The heart will stop. And that's what you see. And the person falls over. Heart attacks occur when the blood can't get to the heart. And it can result in damage. It can 
result in ultimate failure. Now I want you to think about this. Let's suppose for a moment that you happen to be standing in an ER and they bring in a person that's had a heart attack, that's cardiac arrest. And the nurse or the doctor, whoever it is, comes rushing in and they look at the person and they go, quick, wash his hands. <laughs> and you'd say, what? <laughs> that's not the problem. I know he's got dirty hands, but it's his heart. It's not his hands. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. You're all worried about his hands. And it's the heart that I'm wanting to teach you about. Teach you about. Think about this. Leviticus, the 17th chapter and verse 11. It says that the life is in the blood. You know what that's saying? What that's saying is where the where the blood goes, the life goes. That's the only way you're going to have life. I had that explained to me graphically. <laughs> I won't explain all the details of that. But I came to understand what that meant. That when the blood doesn't go there, there's no life there. It can happen to your heart. <laughs> it can happen to your leg. It can happen to your arm. You cut off the blood flow. You cut off the life. In Leviticus 17 and verse 11 it says that the life is in the blood. Now think about this. John 14 and verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 6 and verse 63. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. If his word doesn't go there, the life doesn't go there. And that's what Jesus is trying to get them to see. You're denying the very word of God that I gave you. And if you deny that word, you deny the life. And so Jesus is trying to get them to see. Sometimes when people have symptoms, then they make corrections. 
And so Jesus is trying to make it clear. They may look healthy. They may look clean on the outside. But it's what's going on inside. That's where the problem is. And if it keeps up, it'll kill their heart. And so Jesus says, you're following traditions, but that doesn't show your love for God. They were intent on following the elders' rules, but that didn't indicate genuine obedience to God. And Jesus is saying they're more concerned with what's on the outside than what's on the inside. So the problem was it was in their heart. It wasn't in their hands. And Jesus wanted the crowd and He wanted His disciples. And He says, you're denying the commandment of God. Honor your father and your mother and whoever speaks ill of them is worthy of death. And so in essence, what Jesus is saying is they're more concerned with appearance than they are with people. See, we need to stop and think about that also. The goal of reading God's Word, the goal of studying God's Word, the goal of praying, worshiping, assembling, all those kind of things, that helps to counteract the influence of the world and a false teaching and all these other things so that we can come to understand how we can truly be spiritually healthy. So Jesus tries to point out be more concerned with the heart than with washing your hands. Secondly, Mark chapter 7, I'm going to read verse 30 or 24 through 35. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre, and when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. And after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon having left. Again, he went out from the region of Tyre and came through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee within the region of Decapolis. They brought to him one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, and they implored him to lay his hand on them. 
Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself and put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. And looking up to heaven with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was removed, and he began to speak plainly. Interesting occasion with this Gentile woman. And she asked that her daughter might be cured of this demon possession. And Jesus says, let the little children be, or the children be satisfied first. And she said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus said, because of this, go, your daughter is healed. What does that mean? I'm just going to say this quickly because I want to move on to the miracle that he... This is a Gentile woman. She's coming and asking a favor of Jesus. And the point that he's actually making is, my first priority is the house of Israel. But she's saying, we would take even the crumbs. She is humble. She has a good heart. And therefore, he heals her daughter. That stands in contrast (laughs) to the discussion that he just had with the Pharisees. There's a heart problem here among God's people. And here's this Gentile woman. And she's got a humble and receptive heart. And so he heals her daughter. But the next thing that happens... Is he encounters a man who can't hear. And because he can't hear, he can't speak plainly. It doesn't say that he can't speak. It says that he can't speak plainly. Verse 15. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the mouth out of the man are what defile the man if anyone has ears to hear let him hear when he had left the crowd and entered the house his disciples questioned him about the parable and he said to them are you so lacking in understanding also you do not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him you know what Jesus is saying have you been listening Psychologists tell us that there's four kinds of hearing. There's what they refer to as selective exposure, there's selective attention, there's selective understanding, and there's selective retention. I'll just run these by you quickly. Selective exposure is what they say when you come into the middle of a conversation. And you only hear part of what has been said. But you take that part and you reach a conclusion or you start making judgments just on that part of what you heard. Does that ever happen religiously? People hear just a part and then they make a decision 
And they start making judgments based upon it. See if it goes something like this. Ephesians 2nd chapter and verse 8. For you have been saved by grace. Is that true? Absolutely. But based upon that, that all kinds of other conclusions are reached and judgments are made based upon that. Jesus said in John 17 and verse 17, Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. The language that is used there means the sum of thy word is truth. Don't make your decisions based upon one passage or one word, but take the total of what is said so that you understand what God means. It's in that same book, Ephesians 5 and about verse 17. Where Paul says, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So sometimes there can be selective exposure. <coughs> Stay with me. There's also selective attention. It's when we choose to pay attention to part of what is said. Now listen to this. Mark 16 and verse 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Which part of that do you like? Because sometimes it's the way it's done. Well, I like the first part, but not the second part. Well, let me drive this a little closer to home. Sometimes people like the second part. Not that interested in the first part. Maybe a casual consideration have you ever known anybody that really really emphasized getting somebody in the water they just need to be baptized well what about really believing being converted to Jesus Christ what about repenting Because if you don't repent, we didn't talk about this in class this morning, but we'll bring it up another time. (laughs) That That whole forgiveness thing? You want forgiveness? It includes repentance. It's like I've said before. I do not believe in water salvation. I believe in a plan of salvation. That includes believing and repenting and confessing and being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and then striving, as we talked about in class this morning, to live as a Christian. That's what God had in mind in His plan. And sometimes people will want to focus in on just water. Read some of the old books that were written back years ago with the circuit writers and so forth. One of the problems was people would come along, they would preach, there would people be baptized, and then they would leave, and that's it. <laughs> what happens after this? Plenty. And God's Word has plenty to say about that. So sometimes there's selective attention, sometimes there's selective understanding. Let me show you this. 
We're talking about Matthew on Wednesday night. Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 17, after Jesus has been baptized, after he's gone into the wilderness. Then in Matthew chapter 4, the latter part of it, it says, From that time, Jesus went forth and he preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Do you know what tomorrow is? It's Monday. And Monday is at hand. And when I say Monday is at hand, I don't mean it's going to come 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years from now. It's going to come tomorrow. It's here. And yet we've got people who are still waiting for the kingdom. And will teach you that it's not here. And we're waiting for it. Mark 9 and verse 1, Jesus said, There's some of you standing here that shall not taste of death till you see the kingdom come with power. You will not die. They were standing there. And we're waiting. Some people are saying, it's been over 2,000 years. We're waiting for that kingdom to come. But Jesus said, these people won't die. They'll see it come with power. Colossians 1 verse 13, which we already studied. Paul writing to the church of Colossians says, we were translated into the kingdom of His beloved Son. How can you be translated into the kingdom if the kingdom doesn't exist? John says in Revelation chapter 1, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and in the kingdom. Revelation 1 verse 9. How did John get in the kingdom if the kingdom doesn't exist? That's selective understanding. A lot of times people say, well, I just don't see it that way. <laughs> and you know what? They don't see it that way. Then there's selective retention. This is what the Pharisees were guilty of. They knew the command. They just didn't like to retain the implications of it. And that's something that we can be guilty of too. James chapter 1 and about verse 23. Be not hearers of the word only, but be doers also. For a man who hears and does not do is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and then goes away. And straightway he forgets what he saw. I went and looked in the mirror. My hair's all messed up. My face is dirty. Eh. <laughs> it's okay. And James saying that's what that's like. Did you just forget? Chapter 7 and verse 35. His ears were opened. And then he spoke. Plainly. You know what we got to ask ourselves? Are our ears open? Jesus said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I'm confident that sometimes He wants to say to people, Didn't you hear what I said? Sometimes our dad would reinforce what he said make sure we heard didn't you hear what I said 
because you're acting like you didn't hear. So Jesus is saying, if you have ears, then hear what I said. Don't listen to what I said and then teach something else. Because the only way you can speak plainly, speak clearly, that's the emphasis of that miracle. He opened his ears and then he spoke plainly. So that's what Jesus is saying spiritually. If you truly hear, then you can speak clearly. But if you've got a problem with your hearing, then you can't speak on my behalf. Because you won't speak plainly. Third, sometimes we can have a problem <coughs> with vision. Verses uh, eight, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. In those days when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And he directed the people to sit down on the ground and take in the seven loaves. He gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to the disciples to serve them, and they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish, and after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied, and they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there, and he sent them away. And immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmanutha. <clears throat> I want to read verse 13 through 21. Leaving them again, he embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And, and he was giving orders to them saying, Watch out. Now, are they really listening? And he was giving them orders saying, Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact they had no bread. <laughs> and Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, Twelve. When, he, when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Seven. And he was saying to them, do you not understand yet? So they're crossing over. Jesus says, Beware of the leaven 
of the Pharisees and of Herod. He's concerned about the influence that these religious teachers could have on them and that Herod, the world, could have on them. That's what I'm concerned about, the influence that these could have on you. And they start talking about, we don't have any bread. <laughs> and Jesus said, do you remember when I fed the 5,000? Yes, yeah, remember that. Do you remember when I fed the 4,000? Yeah, yeah, we remember that. Then do you think I'm really concerned about bread? I've got 12 guys traveling with me. And there's myself. I fed 5,000. I fed 4,000. Do you think I could feed you? <laughs> and he said, don't you remember? So do you really think I'm worried about bread? I just said, if you would care to listen, <laughs> beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. So then, Jesus will heal <clears throat> this man. Take a look now <clears throat> at verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men. I see them like trees walking around. Then again, he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, do not even enter the village. And Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, saying, John the Baptist, or Elijah, or one of the prophets. And he questioned them. But who do you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. Interesting miracle, isn't it? That Jesus takes this man, leads him outside this village, and then he touches his eyes, and he begins to see a little. And he touches him again. And then he sees. He sees more clearly. And I think it's kind of interesting also. That he took this man and, and he led him outside the village. But when he asked him, do you see anything? He said, I see men. I seem like trees. In other words, it's kind of blurry. I don't see real clear. He led him outside the village 
Who do you think he saw then? I can't say this definitely, but I think it's reasonable. I think who he saw was Jesus' disciples. And maybe he was kind of trying to fake a point to them. Do you now kind of get an idea of what it's like to be kind of partially seen? And then he touches him again, and then he sees clearly. I believe the point that Mark is making and the Holy Spirit is making in preserving this in this fashion is that sometimes, most times, spiritual understanding comes in stages, a little at a time. And it's obvious that's the way it was coming to Jesus' disciples. It was coming a little at a time. But I think one of the other points that maybe should be made for this and the reason why it's preserved for us too. I've oftentimes read that and thought at times Jesus had to just, you know, it's like throw up his hands or hit his forehead. <laughs> don't, you, don't you understand? Don't you get this? I think one of the points that's important for us also is sometimes it does take people a while to understand. It took me a long time to understand. (laughs) And even after I became a Christian, there was things that I needed to understand. I kind of thought at first, you know, if you're a Christian then you ought to go to church. (laughs) So I went to church. Church, that's it. (laughs) And then after a while, somebody came up to me and said, we have class. Would you like to come to class? That's kind of like, guess. I don't know why, but (laughs) if I'm being invited... (laughs) So I went. And as it turned out, there were people there that were actually there for worship too. And I thought, wow, (laughs) they come for Bible study and worship? (laughs) These people are dedicated. (laughs) And then they were talking in Bible class about things that we weren't talking about in worship. I thought, oh, I learned something there too. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Part of the goal is to grow as a Christian, isn't it? Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. A lot of times that kind of comes in stages. And sometimes first concept is, well, I want to be saved, and what do I have to do to be saved? And then I kind of have this understanding, well, I ought to go to church, and so I go to church. But that's that's not the end of it. There's a whole lot more to it. Remember Romans 8 and verse 29 that we talk about all the time? For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. He wants us to become like him. And so the disciples seem to be kind of slow. But Jesus is bringing them along. 
And after he heals this man, he leaves that area. He goes to the area of Caesarea Philippi, Matthew the 16th chapter, which we'll talk about on Wednesday evening that we oftentimes remember. And he says, who do men say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter gives that answer. And we oftentimes quote it. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's what Mark records for us right there. And then he says, don't tell anybody. Why? You know why? You probably figured this out by now, haven't you? Because you don't hear real well. And you don't see things real clear. So, I don't want you speaking for me yet. It'll come. But you're not ready. Eventually, they will. But that's what Mark records for us in, in Mark 7 through 8. And it starts off with some who have a heart in the wrong place. And they're not letting God's word in. And then there's that Gentile woman with that good heart. And then there's that man that he has to cure, hear, heal his hearing so that he can speak plainly. You've got to be able to hear me before you can speak. And then you've got to be able to see before you can testify on my behalf. Sometimes we have trouble hearing. Sometimes we have trouble seeing. So think about it. How do people, how do we, how do I see Jesus? There's a time when I saw him as Savior. That's about it. But he's also my king. He's my prophet. He's my priest. He's my redeemer. He's my Lord. He's my friend. He's the great physician. He's the good shepherd. He's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He's the way. He's the truth. Jesus would be asking, Can you see me? Can you hear me? Is your heart right so that you can hear me and you can see me? So Jesus asked his disciples there in Mark the 8th chapter, How is it you don't understand? Do you need to hear better? Do you need to see better? Is your heart right? I want to extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. Is your heart ready to listen to all that Jesus has to say? You ready to see Him truly for who He is and then respond to Him? If we could help you in any way, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.